Let's talk about grief and trauma. And you may be thinking, well, what, what does grief have to do with trauma? I was abused or neglected or harmed. I didn't know where I was or what really happened to me. And I'm still trying to figure out what my new normal is. So what does that have to do with grief? Well, I thought that way. And you may be thinking that way too right now. And that's totally cool. In today's episode, we're going to be breaking down the connection between grief and trauma and how this is going to help you understand where you are right now emotionally. A lot of people right now feel depressed or anxious or stuck. They don't know quite why. And once I break down the grief process, you're going to really understand that. And we're going to be talking about how to move past the grief in order to finally heal and live a happier life. You're going to get so much good information coming to you after this short break. Hey, 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 and welcome to the Introverted Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Denise Lee, and I'm a life coach that specializes in traumas and addictions. I specifically work with executives and business owners, but for right now, I'm here helping anyone who's understanding that healing comes in all shapes, colors, and sizes. And that's really what I talk about, understanding yourself so that you can relate better first and foremost with yourself and then with the everyone around you. So if this is your very first time listening, I'm wrapping my arms around you and giving you a big old electronic squeeze. Make sure you hit that follow, subscribe wherever you're listening. That way, as soon as I drop a new episode, which is usually Monday, Wednesdays, or Friday, you'll be able to listen to it lickety-split. And those of you guys who have been listening, let's get social on social media. I know, like an oxymoron, but whatever. (laughs) I am primarily communicating, pontificating, lamenting, educating, whatever you want to call it, preaching on X Twitter. My handle is Denise G. Lee. And that's the best place you can basically find me, give unfiltered, sometimes with grammatical errors, (coughs) on healing, personal development, communication, trauma, grief, all these topics I am really passionate talking about. And it is definitely something that I'm passionate about because I am also a trauma survivor of sexual, emotional, verbal abuse, early childhood, amongst a whole bunch of other stuff that has happened in my adolescence, early adulthood. And so I understand what trauma and grief looks like. I understand what it feels to be trying your best and not feel like you're moving any way forward, not just with your business, but in your life. And the things that I have learned has helped me and so many of my clients. And if you're interested in work with me, visit my website, denisegelee.com. There you'll be able, obviously, to inquire working with me. But you can read articles, take one of my on-demand courses, whatever you need for wherever you are at right now in your trauma healing journey. All right. Now let's get into this conversation about grief and trauma. And as I'm listening, as you're listening, and as I'm talking, as you're listening to this, I really want you to unpack and understand this very important concept before I say anything else. That grief and trauma look differently for everyone based on their age, their temperament, their culture, so many different factors. So I want you to understand this is what I'm saying. It's not a one size fits all. 
on any of the examples that I have to be explaining with you. I just really want to make it very clear because I don't want to get any nasty grams from anchor.fm slash Denise G. Lee saying, she doesn't understand me. Now, this is why I can't find a coach or a therapist because they all of them just say the exact same thing and they don't get my story. I don't want to, I don't want to hear that noise because Denise just said right now that everybody is going through different stages of healing and recovery based on their own experiences. What I have to share is just overarching generic stuff that you need to understand in order for you to break past wherever you are in your blockage point so that you can heal. And as I say all this, I'm kind of just lamenting. I'm thinking about, I wish my therapist when I was in the early stages of my trauma healing process broke this stuff down for me. So I guess maybe this is a note to my past self that wishes I could have what I'm sharing with you right now, but I digress. Anywho, let's talk about grief and trauma. This is definitely a topic that some of my other fellow heroes in recovery and personal development and trauma work talk about. And I, Bruce Perry, one as an example, Dr. Bruce Perry, uh, Dr. Pat uh, Allen, there's so, so many. But anyway, we discuss it, but what does it really look like? And if you've been listening to this podcast for quite some time, you know I'm trauma is my jam. I talk about it all day, every day. But right now I wanted to really drill down in this idea of grief. Now, back in the 1960s, there was a Swiss American psychiatrist and author, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who wrote this book called On Death and Dying. And, and within the book, she outlined five stages of grief. And there's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. But I also believe there's some other stuff, resignation as well as shock. But I'll talk a little bit more about what that is later. But we hear these stages and we nod our heads and go, yeah, that's, that's awesome that I can pinpoint what that looks like. But how does that relate to trauma? And when you think about it, trauma is a form of loss, a form of separation, a, a moment where your whole world, as you knew it up until that point, totally shattered at that moment. There, it's like the, un, the, the button of self-destruct got pushed and there's no way to repair it. Like you take a gl glass and you shatter it on the ground. And yeah, you can make get some super glue and try to piece it together, but it's never quite the same. And if you really love that glass or whatever that shattered and broke, it hurts as you're trying to figure out what to do afterwards, how you repair, how you rebuild, or maybe just scrapping it. So right now I want to dig in deeper about what that grief process looks like. And I want to share with you some other ideas about how this connects to trauma. Okay. So I believe and this, this is my addition uh, of the grief process is shock. When we are, are born, we have basically this idea that was shaped by our parents and our caregivers about what normal looks like 
not necessarily healthy, but normal. And part of normal is the basics, food, safety, shelter. And if you have been rocked to the core by a, a total disruption of either safety, shelter, or safety, it, it, does, it does some terrible things to your nervous system. It can compromise your immune system. That's why a lot of people who have trauma survivors, they have immune issues, lupus, chronic fatigue, headaches, migraines, body aches. The, the body knows, there's a wonderful book, The Body Keeps Score by Dr. Bessel van Colt that dives more into the neurological impacts of what happens to your body once you've been traumatized. But anyway, for a lot of us who have been in, experience a traumatic event, the first thing is shock. And some trauma survivors report of, and when I say trauma survivors, I'm talking about myself included, insomnia, inability to feel safe, sight, sound, senses can really unnerve you. That's part of shock. And then if you can move past that initial shock, there's denial. Because at first it's hard to believe that something really bad happened. And within, I, within that umbrella of denial, a lot of people dissociate where, or they just even just segment part of their brains off from that particular moment or moments. I was reading a uh, interesting little book about adults who survived sexual molestation from Catholic priests. And a lot of the young men that were in, uh, assaulted did not even, even happened. They said, no, 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 that didn't happen. Father, blah, 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 wasn't that bad. Or if they were touched in a certain way by their lovers, they would burst out in anger or they would have the shakes. I mean, that's as their their body knew they were violated, but their mind overwhelmingly tried to overcome that, re that reality of what had happened. That's part of denial. And if you move past the denial, you go into anger. So as that truth sinks in, you're going to be mad and this anger can be directed at yourself, others, or the situation. For example, I think about, um, even my own history with, uh, sexual abuse with my mother, where just waves of anger, even just looking at her face triggered, just, just my jaw would cleanse up. My fists would ball up and I would just think about all the terrible ways that she could die. When we're angry, we just want the whole world and perhaps ourselves to burn down. A lot of people who have been traumatized feel a lot of anger about themselves, thinking that they could have said something or did something different. Or if certain people were observing that it could have never happened. And when we're angry, we're basically saying my expectations of how I could reach safety security and shelter was totally disrupted and I don't like that and I hate the world and I hate everything that happens to the world and as I say that right now I just have to insert something that has completely nothing to do with me talking about the grief process but it's worth saying it because I'm on the lines of anger I know a lot of people who are angry for years if not decades usually have a lot of anger towards God specifically, higher power, the the universe. And they say, well, if a God 
existed. He would never allow bad things to happen to me. I'd just be in this cocoon of, of where I'm insulated from hurts and pains and nobody I hurt is, I, nobody that I know was also hurt or pain. And that is a fantasy because we want to believe that somehow perfection can exist in an imperfect world. And so I just had to just insert that because I see a lot of people who don't really allow themselves to fully grieve because they hold on to anger, not just over people and circumstances, but the even their existence or the existence of something that's supposedly omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent. And I just want to let you know that God does love you in despite of everything that does happen to you, regardless if you believe it or not. Just had to say that. Anywho, let's move on. We talked about shock, denial, anger. Let's move on to bargaining. So in this stage, you might try to make deals or promises to change what had happened. You might think, if I did did something differently, maybe this wouldn't have happened. And for example, after surviving a, a traumatic, stressful, abusive childhood, you might find yourself thinking, if I had protected my sister, or if I had watched out for my mother, Maybe things would have been better. It's like we try to hit the the rewind button. That we're going to take all of our knowledge and all of our experience and all the information that we had, we have now. And somehow like teleport ourselves back into the past. Like something out of like Back to the Future. But anyway, I'm referencing 1980s, 1990s uh, stuff. Anywho, but the point I'm trying to make of this those, those are cool movies, by the way. All the Back to the Future, Michael J. Fox. But anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. Back, back to this conversation. For a lot of us who are bargaining, we truly believe that we have failed. Even if we were a kid, even with our limited knowledge, we failed. And that's where those feelings of shame and self-pity come up. Because we think, I'm not worthy of breathing and sharing oxygen with everybody else. Because I couldn't step up and be more than I wish I could have been. And that's what keeps a lot of us stuck in the grieving process that's required in trauma. Because we think that somehow we could have done better. And, and in some cases, if you're a grown person... Yeah, you may have, but we always do the best given the information we have at the time. Nobody intentionally tries to underperform in stressful situations. The problem is we've got a a part of our body called, a part of our brain uh, called the limbic system that's in charge of emotions kind of goes haywire and only wants to either Fight, flight, fear, flop, or faint in that moment. They can't do anything else at that moment. And so even though your prefrontal cortex, the part of your front part of your brain says, hey, I know this, these, these tools and these resources and all these other stuff. I, I can do that. When you're calm, yeah. But in the moment of a very stressful situation or you've been actively abused, you're just thinking about how can I just get out of this moment? Forget about getting... <laughs> the best possible solution. So as you're listening to this, I really hope you put in perspective that 
what you did then, how you reacted then, was the best you could, given how your body is wired and the tools that you had. I just, I just want to put that out there, okay? And so let's move into resignation. This is after your de shock, denial, anger, bargaining, resignation. What does that look like? No, does some people say, well, isn't that acceptance? No, not really. When we are feeling resigned to something, we're basically reluctantly saying, yeah, we're accepting it, but without active resistance or protest. And in that mindset, when someone's resigned, they may feel defeated or powerless in the face of a challenging or undesirable circumstance. You know, you, you, you know what that looks like when your car breaks down in the middle of the road and you know screaming and yelling ain't gonna do anything and you have your phone you call someone and while you're waiting you're like oh snap I gotta go pick up my kid I gotta go to the laundry I gotta go and you've got all these lists of things in your mind but melting down is not an option but you're still not happy about it you're just kind of just accepting the fact that your car's broke down and you gotta wait and That's the moment where you may not be thinking about, okay, what can I do in the meanwhile my car is breaking down? How can I think positively about preventing this in the future? You can't do that. You're just kind of there. You're not really necessarily making efforts to change your mindset or the solution. And that snapshot when the car initially broke down. I'm just talking about car breaking down, but you can insert those, any of the type of those moments where something tragic happens and you acknowledge that it happened. You ain't happened about it, but you're not quite doing anything to change your mindset of the situation. It's just that initial moment. That's what resignation looks like. And for some of you guys, you, if you're just stuck in that funk of sadness, you may go into the land of depression. And if you've been through a traumatic event, it's normal because what, what depression really is? Depression is suppressing all the anger and the bitterness and the hostility and the frustration and the hopelessness. It's like, imagine I'm taking my hand and I'm t thinking about all your feelings and I'm just trying to push them deep into a box and I'm, I'm, I'm forcing my way to kind of collapse it down. Eventually, the pressure is going to erupt the box, but not if you're pushing it down. And that's what depression does. And that's why so many people don't want to do anything beyond sleeping or overeating or avoiding eating or avoiding talking with people. Because any type of trigger to snap you back into reality, snap you back into what had happened, can launch back all that anger and frustration. And if you don't feel like you have the tools to cope with it, it feels so overwhelming. So that's why a lot of people who, are, who haven't fully worked through the grief process and trauma may just be stuck in depression for years, if not decades. I think about one particular client who had this really low-lying depression. Come to find out, she was trying to suppress all the years of the memories of being abused sexually by her dad. It weighs on your soul after a while. Or perhaps... You find yourself acting out sexually based on the things that had happened to you as a child. We tend to repeat the same types of abu abuse that was done to us with other people as adults because our minds are trying to 
reconcile all the things in the past and we use that through repetition. And so there's a lot of shame mixed into that behavior. I'm just talking about sexual examples, but it can go into so many other different types of ways that we try to depress all, down all the painful feelings that we have inside. And lastly, if we finally move past the depression, we can move into acceptance. This is where you finally accept the reality of what happened. Doesn't mean you're happy about it, but you begin to find a way to live with that new reality. You know, for, for example, you know, even, even if I talk about my own life, I'm not happy to admit that my mother is a pedophile. Not happy to admit that I had a very traumatic early childhood, early adolescence. But I am happy to say that these experiences have given me a greater sense of empathy, a connection of other people, an understanding to see things from a perspective that I would have never experienced had I not gone through what I've gone through. That is a tool that survivors of trauma, incest, rape, tra stressful, traumatic situations have that other people don't have. And so I don't want you to ever think of yourself as a victim forever. We're going to move from victimhood to being a victor. And being a victor acknowledges all the stuff that has gone down, but sees how it can be used to help themselves and other people. So as I talked about this whole seven steps of, of grief, shock, denial, anger, bargaining, resignation, depression, acceptance, where are you stuck right now? Where are you at that moment you're like, you know what, Denise, I'm really depressed. I'm not really able to see any hope or possibilities because in my mind all I'm thinking is that people are out to get me life is not fair things suck there's nothing I can do and so I'm just gonna just call, just do the bare minimum to rub my business or to take care of my kids or do whatever I got to do but I'm not really gonna explore or do anything else because I believe there's nothing good for me and I totally get that but let me tell you something that is a form of robbery robbery the fact that you actually are sitting here and listening to my podcast right now tells me that there's some part of you right now believes that that's a lie. And I want you right now to like sit here. If you need to pause this video, pause this recording and say, I have been telling myself lies about my, my future and about who I am. Do it right now. I am tired of the lies I have told myself about my limited possibilities because that's a lie if we're going to move past through that trauma we're not going to deny what happened we're not going to pretend that all these things had happened but what we're going to do is we're going to fully explore each element the denial the anger the bargaining the depression we're going to work through all those things and if we need to we're going to do a lot of journaling a lot of role playing a lot of therapy to help you understand that what had happened was real but what you're doing is killing yourself and your potential I wish somebody told me that I wish somebody told me that being isolated and suspicious and feeling reluctant to reaching out was actually hurting people because 
I was hurting so much because I just couldn't trust anyone or anything around me because I couldn't trust in my ability to think because if I could trust my ability to think supposedly what I thought, I would have never been abused. I would have never been mistreated. I never would have stayed in these terrible, crappy situations and with my, with, with, in my former experience in corporate America with different lovers I had, all this yada, 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 all this stuff. And so I get this, this deep sense of mistrust within yourself. But let me tell you something. The way to start trusting yourself is to start acknowledging the fact that you are limiting yourself through that fear. And I know that fear might be a form of protection as of a way. Because if we can keep ourselves small, we don't reach out, we just kind of just stay by the sidelines passive. I'll just get what I need and I'll still stay safe. But here's the thing. Healing requires some risk. Healing requires a risk of exposing things from a different perspective. And I know that sometimes our feelings can tell us things. They feel heavy. It feels overwhelming. And all we want to do is maybe stay stuck in the anger and the, and the sense of bitterness and hostility. Because it was modeled to us by our moms or dads or whoever around us, our culture. It was... And it was reinforced by the things that we read or we listen to, especially music, especially music. But let me ask you this question right now. How is it really helping you? And think about all the people who role modeled that form of bitterness, anger. Are they really happy? Is that really something that you want to go down dying with that type of feeling? I used to feel that way and it didn't get me very far. Just something to think about. So as you're thinking about working through your grief, breaking through all those chains that keeping you stuck, it's like almost like you're the unhealed grief is like having a ball of chain attached to you and you're trying to run a marathon. You can't only go but so far. What, do you, what chains do you need to break through? Or heck, even acknowledge that you're, you're shackled to something. Friend, that's the only way that you can finally break through is through understanding that there's something within you that needs to be unclipped so that you can finally get out of that cage of desperation and loneliness, anxiety, and finally heal. Just something to think about. Well, that is it. As always, I enjoy our conversations with one another. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, make sure you share this podcast episode to other people. That's the way we can be able to amplify the message of health, healing, and happiness. Make sure, if you haven't done so already, make sure you hit the follow, subscribe button. And also connect with me on X Twitter. Visit me on denisegelee.com. All that fun stuff. And my question for you is, where are you stuck on the grieving process? And what are you deciding to do? I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message. Let me know. Well, that is it. As always, be kind to yourself and understand that where you are is necessary, but it doesn't have to be that way forever. Thank you so much for loving yourself and working towards health and healing. Until next time, take care and be awesome.